message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. If, if you're a parent though and you're still being woken up in the middle of the night, that can be hard. If you're just watching the mess happen as they're beginning to learn how to feed themselves. I've, I heard um, someone describe living with a, living with a three-year-old recently as, um, as life like um, trying to blend some food without the lid on it and things just go everywhere. Whether you're listening to them use bad language in front of the grandparents that they don't understand. I blame it on the other set of grandparents normally. Um, <laughs> There are, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of confusing times um, and a lot of difficult times to, to get your head around as, as a parent. And you've, got to, you've got to try and get them to eat. My, my eldest daughter, Eva, is uh, three, she's nearly four. She's been known to take 90 minutes to get through a bowl of Weetabix. 90, 90 minutes? That doesn't help you get out the door in the morning, okay? Jenny, my, my wife, has, has got so fed up with it so fed up with Eva on some occasions after you know, 60 minutes of trying to get food into her and stuff she's, she's literally picked up her bowl of dinner thrown it down the garden <laughs> and, and, it, and it obviously broke the bowl and, and the squirrel that it hit and things <laughs> and you've got to help them with their reading you've got to worry about the amount of freedom to give them when, when, as they get older it, the, there was a um, a New York columnist recently, her name's uh, Lenora Skenazy. Okay, you wouldn't believe I was a speech therapist, would you? Um, Lenora Skenazy, and she writes this uh, a column in the New York Sun. And uh, she recently let her son uh, make his own way home from uh, Bloomingdale's in the centre of Manhattan, all the way home, he had to, and he had to work out how to get home. Her son's nine. Okay? And, and she gave him a map and some money and said, right, you know, you need to get a subway and you need, need to get the bus and you need to walk a bit. And he came home absolutely ecstatic with independence. They were her words, ecstatic with independence. And yet, when she wrote about those experiences in her column, it unleashed an absolute barrage of claims of child neglect and you know, what do you think you're doing letting your child, what, how would you feel if he hadn't come home safe? And those things are understandable, they, those things are, because there are dangers in, our, uh, in the media all the time. And, and it isn't just the media overplaying things sometimes. At 8.45 8 on Monday morning um, last week, my colleague's son, 13 year old son, was mugged in Allenton um, on, his way, on his way to school by, by a gang. It, things seem to be happening in, in, in teenage culture and, ga and gang culture now that, that make, make things feel like it's a little bit less safe. Um, in, you know, just in normal Derby, it's not like, it's not like this is gangland London or, or guns in Nottingham or anything like this. This is just happening just around the corner. A lot of pressures to balance, a lot of decisions to make, and a lot of things to get your head around as a parent, or as an uncle or aunt or grandparent. And we're going to have a look this morning at what the Bible has to say, what the, what the advice that the Bible has to give um, 
for, for parents bringing up their children and, and, and some things that we can learn from there. Um, and so, if you'd like to turn to probably the best named book in the Bible, Timothy. <laughs> to Timothy, because obviously the first one was so good, they had to do a sequel. And, um, Timothy um, is, uh, this is a letter to a guy called Timothy, written by one of the main people in the church, uh, in the early church called Paul. And he, well, I'm going to explain, I was going to explain some of the relationship, but it's all there in the, uh, it's all there in, uh, in the beginning. So if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, um, should look over someone's shoulder if, if uh, they've got a Bible. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. So, really important guy, one of the main guy really in the, in the early church, um, and he's writing to, this isn't, Timothy isn't his son, he, he's uh, like a, and not even really an adopted son, he's kind of like a, it's, it's like a spiritual son. They, they, um, the, the two have, have met, um, Paul's, Paul is the older man here and, and handing over and giving a lot of responsibility to Timothy. And so he's, uh, these letters are often just um, a, real, a real source of encouragement for Timothy and um, they, they really help him to understand who he is in God and they're just full of, um, full of words of encouragement for him. And we're going to have a look at a few things. We're going to have a look at three things specifically from, uh, from this passage. We're going to look at um, family and, and faith and how that gets passed on. And we're going to have a look at the role of the church in raising children. And we're also going to have a look at what Paul's experience was as well. See, Timothy had a great family. Okay? He... he Comes, he comes from a, a line of um, uh, Jewish belief. His, his grandmother and his mother um, were Jews. They, they, believed, they believed in God and they believed in Jesus. And his, his dad was a Greek. He probably didn't, uh, he probably didn't believe um, in, the same, in the same way as, as the mother and grand, grandmother did. But certainly the mother and grandmother would have been teaching Timothy a lot about um, a lot about the things of God that would have just really stood him in good stead um, for and helped to lay the foundations on which his faith would be based. They would have been modelling their faith to him. They would have been just showing him how to respect and love others, and all all of those things would have been very important into building up a sensitive and and good man of God. And Timothy is, is a guy who's leading churches in the end. 
But it's certainly not an automatic thing. You see, God doesn't, just because Timothy's mum is a believer and Timothy's grandmother is a believer, it doesn't mean that he automatically receives their faith. All he gets from them is some good foundations on which to place his own faith. And, and Paul says this when, when, he's, uh, when he's saying, I'm reminded of your faith, which I first saw in, in uh, your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. It's not like it was a done deal that he was going to be this amazing, faithful man. He is, it actually took some time, you know, it took time to build on that, um, build on the foundations that they had laid for him. There's a really, there's another really important part of, of the foundations being laid here for Timothy, and that's, um, Paul talks about praying ceaselessly, night and day, for him. Because Timothy at this point isn't a child, in, in the sense that we've been dedicating Isabel and Kezia. He would have been, a, he would have been about 40, something like that. And, um, and, so, and, and as you get older and more independent from your parents, Parents can't make every decision, they can't, and they can't uh, make it, uh, control everything in, in their child's life. And people have to make, make their own decisions for themselves. And sometimes the best that a parent can do for their child, the most that a parent can do for their child, all that a parent can do for their child is pray. And just remember them in prayer to God ceaselessly, day and night. Both my parents were brought up in Christian families and in turn they took me and my sister along to church and we, uh, we were taught about God and, and things like that. But I wouldn't say that uh, as I grew older, you know, th those things did make sense to me as, I, as a young child, but as I grew older and, and more autonomous and independent and able to make my own decisions, I wouldn't say that those things actually had a big impact on my day-to-day -day life. It, was, um, it, it wasn't that I was actively rejecting God or anything like that, but I just didn't really see it as, as my own faith. My family's faith was not my own. I didn't own it. And um, I, I just couldn't really, couldn't really be bothered, particularly. Just, I didn't see God as, as personal or an, anything like that. And I'm not talking about being a a rebel without a cause or anything like this. You know, as, a, as a teenager, I was still going to chemistry club and things like that. I was, <laughs> but, but, I was, but I was definitely going my own way and certainly flirtations with sex and drugs and rock and roll did become a lot more, a lot more appealing and that's, and that's certainly the, ro the route that I took for some, for some time. Borrowed, borrowed faith doesn't work. Borrowing your mum's faith, your dad's faith, your, your grandparents' faith. My grandparents, they're just amazing people of God. But that didn't, that didn't, really, affect my, that didn't really affect my faith on a day-to-day -day basis. At some point, you need to decide for yourself. If you've got, even if you've got friends that go to church, they're, they're 
faith isn't going to rub off on you by, or transfer to you by osmosis or some, some kind of way of getting into you like that. It, you've got to make a decision for yourself at some point. And at some point, Kezia and Isabel are going to have to make a decision for themselves. And Matt alluded to, to this earlier, that that's why this is a, a dedication and not a baptism. Um, or a christening. Christening is a kind of baptism. And baptism itself implies some kind of belief. In the Bible, we always hear about um, uh, the two in tandem together, actually. Believe and be baptised. Um, so believe in God and then go and show everyone in the world that you believe in God by publicly being baptised. That, that's, that's the idea um, of baptism. And it, it'll be up to Kezia and Isabel at a certain time when they're, when they're ready to make those decisions for themselves. So essentially what Paul and Natalie and Graham and Sarah have been doing today is, yeah, they've been thanking God for the gifts of Isabel and Kezia because they are, they are great kids and you know, life isn't always as hard as my introduction perhaps makes it out to be. You don't always have to worry about your kids because they are a joy. But they will, they will also recognise that they've got their work cut out, not just because it's those children, but parenting can be too. <laughs> that was close to being a hole, wasn't it? <laughs> parenting can be, can be tricky. And, and so what they're doing, the dedication, is that they're dedicating themselves to the task of lovingly bringing up their, their children in a, in a gracious, in a godly way. And, and we, their family, their friends, their church family, have, have made those promises as well. Paul, um, who wrote the letter to Timothy, also um, wrote a letter to a church in Galatia. And in um, Galatians 6, 7, he talks about reaping what you sow. And this is a pretty familiar concept to us now. Um, it's a pretty familiar concept to... Um, it, Jesus talked about very similar concepts as well. And the, these are kind of Bible teachings that transcend the 2,000 years or the thousands of years between when they were written and us today. They have inspired a lot of things in our popular culture, in our lives today. And one of the things, um, uh, one of the things that it's, this particular concept is inspired about reaping what you sow is a poem um, uh, called Children Learn What They Live. Uh, you, you may have heard this. It's often up in a lot of schools and things like that. I'm just going to read it out to you. I've, I've changed the he's to she's just to make it a little bit more relevant to, to the girls today. If a child lives with criticism, she learns to feel discouraged. If a child lives with hostility, she learns to feel angry. If a child lives with violence, she learns to feel afraid. And if a child lives with dishonesty, she learns to feel suspicious. If a child lives with judgment, she learns to feel guilty, and if a child lives with ridicule, she learns to feel ashamed. If a child lives with disorder, she learns to feel confused, and if a child lives with disappointment, she learns to feel helpless. If a child lives in silence, she learns to feel lonely. But if a child lives with protection, she learns to feel safe. If a child lives with honesty, she learns to feel trustful. If a child lives with peace, she learns to feel calm. And if a child lives with understanding, she learns to feel encouraged. If she lives with sharing, she 
learns to feel thankful. If a child lives with laughter, she learns to feel happy. If a child lives with creativity, she learns to feel inspired. If a child lives with choice, she learns to feel free. And if a child lives with community, she learns to feel supported. If a child lives with accomplishment, she learns to feel confident. If a child lives with meaning, she learns to feel fulfilled. And if a child lives with love, she learns to feel tender. That's, that poem was originally written by uh, Dorothy Nolte. Uh, it was slightly updated um, in 2005, that one. And all those things are well and good, and they do make a lot of sense, until your child starts taking an hour and a half to eat their Weetabix. Or, or you've come home from a long day at work and then you've got to be on form again to, to spend some good time with them before bedtime. And, and you, can feel, you can feel the pressures. Um, and it's easy to let some of, the, some of those things uh, fly out the window and just let your voice raise and, and things like that sometimes. What can parents do for their kids? What you put into your child, they will learn. They'll, what you sow into them, they will reap. And that is essentially just a huge biblical teaching that we can take from that today. And also, we know that we can pray for our, for our kids and we can pray, if they're not our children, we can pray for the children here today that, they, that um, their parents would know to make good decisions, that the children would learn to grow up to love the Lord. But what can the church do? Parenting can be quite a lonely business at, at times. Um, often we've moved away from uh, mum and dad by the time um, it, we've come to have our, have our own kids. Um, society's changed in, in that way. Parents aren't always just around the corner. I know, I know uh, uh, Derek and Chrissy are, are around uh, to be the babysitters and, uh, and on hand a lot for Isabel. Um, uh, and sometimes even parents move further away when, uh, when you have your baby just to make sure that they're not the babysitter. Uh, that, did, that didn't quite, they had another excuse, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Happened to us. No. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so you haven't always got your parents on hand um, or the grandparents on hand to help, to help out and offer advice. Um, and Perhaps you're, you're having to live busier. You're certainly having to um, you work harder and fit all your work into a shorter, time, you know, shorter uh, time in the day and the house is messier and you've got to work harder to do that. And You're talking less with your husband or wife because you're just tired when you, when you both get in and you're looking after the kids and maybe even you're a bit depressed with it as well. It's easy to be socially isolated as a parent because your social networks can cut down at times. And a good, friend of, a good friend of ours recently found herself very socially isolated. Her husband was working long stretches away from home. Um, family don't live close by. All her friends are 
you know, out working and, and things like that, who, who is she going to turn to to help um, when, she, when she needs some help with the kids? Because this was just before the birth of her second child. Becomes a very trying time for her. And this is where the church can help. Um, I know that when uh, I know when we arrive on a Sunday morning, for example, and, and uh, me and Jenny arrive, and perhaps we're both in the band or we're both doing something, we don't really have to worry too much about what our children are going to be doing or whose way they're going to be, who they're, who they're going to be getting in the way of or whatever, who, how they're going to be entertained. Because guess what we've got? There's a multitude of people here willing to pick up the kids, play with them, um, keep an eye on them or even just hold their tongue because they're getting in the way. But that's, and I, I want to say personally thank you to, to the people that that applies to because we, we don't take that for granted. It's a really important thing to know that our kids are safe and secure when we come here and that we've got some great friends that we can share those good times with and those difficult times with as well. Graham and Sarah, Natalie and Paul have made promises today and we, their family, their friends, their church family have made those promises also. We're going to support them as they do their excellent work of raising their children. And that does mean occasional babysitting. Yeah, but it also means that we're going to be role models for Kezia and for Isabel. That we're going to offer advice when it's needed and we're not going to offer our advice when it's not needed. Okay? We're going to provide that happy and secure environment for, for those children. We're going to let the parents be parents and enjoy being parents by not putting too, much time, well, too many pressures on them to do things. Uh, we're going to and we've already talked about this a bit, we're going to pray for Isabel and Kezia and we're going to, because it works, so let's, let's do it. We're going to teach them in the Frog Club, in, in the Sunday School, we're going to guide them through the youth group. We're going to help practically. Who, who here has had a baby since being part of Jubilee Church? Yeah? And ha did you have to make any meal well, maybe you guys would have done, I can't remember. But did you have to, did you have to make any meal when, when uh, your, your baby was born? Because what happened? The church just came around and just brought food for like a week or two weeks. Just so that you can just settle back a bit and not have to worry about the mundanities of everyday life and just actually enjoy being a parent in those lovely first few days. Practical help for families is a really important part of what church is about. And God intended for his people to be together and help each other, um, help each other out on, on the way, on their journey. And, and that's, that's the, they're the promises that we've, we've made today. Paul was very preoccupied with making sure that Timothy was supported encouraged as part of his walk with God. I've personally, I told you a little bit about my story as a, as a teenager and as uh, I, did go to a, I did go to a church, I was invited to a church when I was 15 that I thought it was like a quite a happy clappy church really, uh, a little bit like what, um, a little bit like what we've 
had today, um, but it was totally new to me. And I saw a, a real exuberance um, uh, in, in the people uh, who, who they just really loved God. And I thought, this is absolutely great. And all of a sudden, this meant so much more to me. I saw that God wasn't this far off, distant person that was maybe just the, had the faith of my mother and father and my grandparents. But actually, he was perhaps a little bit more concerned about me as well. But I kind of attended the church a bit sporadically and I didn't, you know, I was only 15, it was difficult getting there and stuff like that. And I wasn't, I didn't ever get involved in the church. I didn't ever get involved in the church family enough to, for people to get alongside me and help me, for people to get alongside me and actually establish me and support me into that church. And my, my second attempt, shall we say, at, at church when I went to university was a, a lot more successful. And there was, God put some amazing people around me who were willing to, um, willing to support me, sensitively tell me a few home truths maybe, and actually just help me through that time. People were, uh, there were some very wise people around me as I, as I, first, as I first came to know God. And that, that was so important to my faith, being discipled. And, and brought into the family of God is a really important thing. So we found out what parents can do for their kids and we found out what the church can do to help out, um, to help out with, uh, with, with the parents and, and support those children as they grow up. But what if you don't have the benefit of a Christian family? What if you don't have the benefit of um, being part of a, of a church and you're just sitting there going, well, how, how does this apply to me? Well, Paul, the chap who was writing this, didn't have much to do with the church beforehand either. Well, he did have something to do with the church. He was hunting people down and persecuting them. He was, he was seriously against the church once upon a time. He, didn't want to, he, he saw the church as evil and he certainly didn't want to have anything to do with it. And what, what God did, what Jesus did, was he met him and he, and he, convinced, he convinced Paul in a, in a very shocking way. You may have heard of the, Paul's experience on the road to Damascus where Jesus appeared to him in a very brilliant light and Paul lost his sight. But Jesus spoke to him very clearly and plainly and at that point, Paul gave his life to Jesus. God is still concerned, even if you don't have that Christian family, even if you don't have that church that you're part of, God is still concerned about you and he will find a way to get through to you. But importantly, after, afterwards, Paul had some excellent people around him. He, a chap called Ananias prayed for him and his sight came back. And another chap called Barnabas helped him to get, uh, introduced him to the disciples and helped him to get in and established and grafted into being part of the church. God really cared about Paul, despite his failings. Paul was not the, the most likely of people to join a church. Paul, you're kind of looking at George Bush trying to join Al-Qaeda or something like that. You know, poles apart, 
And that's, that's what he was trying to do. And the church actually just rejected him at first and said, no, come on, you, you've been killing people. We don't, you're going to hand us into the authorities. We don't want to be part of you. We don't want to have anything to do with you. And it was, it was thanks to this chap called Barnabas who really stood up for him and said, no, look, this guy, Paul, he's really changed. God has done something amazing in his life. He's really changed and he is sold out for God now. And that not only changed Paul's life, but that, that helped to establish the church throughout the whole of, um, throughout the, whole of the, early, the early centuries in terms of just really spreading the word of the gospel. So, we'll come into land with, with, with these points that we found out about the family and what, what parents can do for their children. We know that you can pray for your kids and that's such an important thing and we know that children will reap what you sow into their lives we know that it's the church's responsibility and the church family and your and the friends and the family around you to to just really support graham and sarah paul and natalie on this on this journey that as they as they raise their kids by praying for, by modelling that faith in, in a real relevant way, by showing, by showing the children how to respect other, other people, how to love other people, how to, how to be good and honest. Think back on that, think back on that poem. Teach them how to, uh, teach them security so that they will learn Teach them protection so that they will learn safe. Let's teach Isabel um, about honesty so that she learns to feel trustful. Let's, let's give Kezia a peaceful environment so that she feels calm. Let's teach Isabel about sharing so that she feels thankful. And let's be understanding to Kezia so that she feels encouraged. That is the responsibility of everyone here. You know, whether you're a Christian or you're not, they, these, things, these things really apply. And I hope that you feel like you can, you're in a position to put, put your heart and soul into that. So it's the church's responsibility to support those parents and the children. And also, we've learned about how God cares for people that aren't in the church, how God cares for the people that don't come from a Christian family, that it's, that it's so easy to to think of sometimes. God cares about, God care, cared about Paul and he cares about you if you're not from, the, from a long line of Christians, if you're not attending church all the time. He wants to reach you. He wants to, he wants to show you that he, that he loves you and that he cares for you. And if you want to find out more about that, then there'll be, there'll be um, you can come and talk to me after the service, you can come and talk to, to Graham, um, Matt, who, who was doing the dedications earlier, and John, who, um, who introduced the service. By all means, please come and, come and talk to us. If you, if you know it, Christians as well, just come and talk to them about what, what God has done for them and what he can do for you as well. And you can have that opportunity certainly after the service to do that. So, we'll draw it together with a, with a prayer now. And 
if you just want to just close your eyes and I'll, I'll just say a prayer with you and then we'll and then we'll break for coffee and lovely donuts and whatever we've got over there Lord I thank you that you have given uh, you brought Kezia and Isabel into such such wonderful families and we thank you for for the blessing that they are to, to Graham and Sarah, the blessing that Isabel is to, uh, to Paul and Natalie. We want to just give you glory for that, Lord, and thank you for their safe arrival. And we just want to stand by Graham and Sarah and Paul and Natalie as they work out uh, how to raise these children that you've given them. As they, uh, as they work things out for themselves, would you... Would you help them? Would you give them guidance, Lord God? And would you help us, their friends and family, to, uh, to support them in the best way possible? And Lord, we know how you have touched lives of, of people who would just seem so far away from you and people that, that really had failed um, in, terms of, in terms of all the things that you, you'd want them to do. Lord God, I just I, I want to ask for people here that might feel not good enough for you, might feel distant from you. Lord, would you draw them close? Would you let them know how you feel about them? Would you let them know about your love for them and your sacrifice that you made? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.